This is me. I'm not a Madonna and I'm not a whore. The Madonna-whore dichotomy forces women to be either or, either a sexually innocent good woman who's above sinful desires, or a promiscuous bad woman who's desired but not respected. This age-old divide might sound ridiculously outdated today, yet it's still more omnipresent than you might think in our cultural messaging, fictions, and our minds. I saw the real you, the dark you. Betty that I actually think about every night when I'm laying in bed. All the labels we still use, good girls and bad girls, wifies and femme fatales, come from the Madonna and the whore. Here's how to spot these archetypes on screen. A Madonna is sexually innocent, which makes her lovable and admirable, but not desirable. And she isn't supposed to have desires of her own. You don't kiss boys, boys kiss you. Men might even worship her as something holy like her namesake, the Virgin Mary. But she's expected to be pretty passive and removed from the fun. Her archetypal color is blue, the color of tears evoking Mary's grief over her son's death. The whore figure is not so admired, which makes it okay to project one's dirtiest desires onto her. Modeled on the Mary Magdalene, who's widely been portrayed as a sex worker, though the Bible never actually says she is, she's often associated with red, evoking fiery passion. She's allowed to have desires, agency, and freedom, but the cost of that is she's viewed as a dangerous temptress. Still a lot of pillow talk to talk about. You phoned my wife. It's always what it comes down to men and their wives. She's cast out from respectable society, and contact with her is shameful and must be kept secret. I shall always be the woman you may love in darkness. She's also not usually allowed to deny sex. Some Madonnas are enigmatic, unknowable, and tragic. Others are domestic and motherly, perfect wife material. Not all whore types are seductresses. They can be accessible, friendly, or pitiable. But most importantly, the Madonna and the whore are both illusions that exist mainly in the minds of viewers. The same woman may be a Madonna to some and a whore to others. It just depends on who's looking and from which angle. As cartoonish as they sound, today these archetypes live on. It's just that demure, chaste, and domestic is out while sexy, selfish, and dangerous is in. And women are even expected to be both, to juggle alternating between the pure angel and the sexy siren, instead of getting to be some kind of three-dimensional real person that's in between or neither of those. They don't actually want a person. They want something they can own and possess. So here's our take on how the Madonna-whore dichotomy still teaches women how to behave and men how to see them, and whether the archetypes of womanhood are finally changing. I didn't think that a girl like you was gonna wanna like, A girl like me? That. I'm like in this little Muslim box in your head, and I'm the wife or the mother of your kids. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe, and hit the bell to be notified about all of our new videos. For thousands of years, Abrahamic religions have equated female sexual innocence with virtue, and laws and social norms have controlled women's sex lives to ensure that property is handed down patriarchal lines to legitimate heirs. Today, even if legally policing women's sexuality is largely coming to an end, it's far from gone from our minds. Madonna whore. You think? Absolutely. Tracy Jewess is virginal wife, not a sexual plaything. The father of psychoanalysis, Sigmund Freud, called this internalization the Madonna whore complex. He theorized that some men associated the women they loved and respected with their mothers, so they felt they couldn't desire those women. Come on, Charlotte, you're my wife. That's not you, take it off. 
It follows that the women they could desire were women they did not respect. It was tension release with a magazine. It had nothing whatsoever to do with my wife. Maybe that's the problem. We have to find a way to integrate your wife into your sexual routine. Even if few of Freud's theories are taken seriously in academic or scientific fields nowadays, the Madonna-Whore dichotomy is bigger than Freud. It's an internalization of thousands of years of purity culture, which has also been reinforced by our storytelling. Jackie Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. Every single woman is one of them. Jackie, Marilyn, Jackie, Marilyn. In F.W. Murnau's silent film classic Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans from 1927, the man is tempted to kill his sweet blonde country wife for a sinful, dark-haired woman from the city. And the visuals literally equate the Madonna figure with the light and the horror figure with dark. A number of classic stock narratives are built around the Madonna and horror archetypes like The Savior, in which the Madonna saves the man from his darker self. She took my hand and led me out of the darkness. The redemption, in which a whore type is saved and brought back into society by a man who loves her. Not all guys hit. The fall, in which a Madonna is brought to sin either by harsh circumstance or evil men. Would you live for me? Hmm? Yes. And the dooming, in which a black widow or femme fatale seductress with ulterior motives leads a man to physical or moral danger or ruin. I'm... Poison. Ultimately, all of these are pretty much variations on a tale of a man, and projections of the light and dark aspects of his psyche grappling with moral temptation. Often throughout cinema, the Madonna whore archetype has manifested in stories having both a wife and a mistress character, who fulfill different sides of the male protagonist. I do things whatever I can't do with my wife. Why can't you do them with your wife? Hey. That's the mouth she kisses my kids goodnight with. This separation underlines how we've been conditioned to categorize women based on their roles serving different male needs. The Handmaid's Tale envisions a society where the Madonna and whore categories are made literal. Women are sorted into either respectable wives dressed in blue or sexual handmaids dressed in red, plus a third category of domestic servants in nearly invisible muted green who are deemed not romantically or sexually interesting to men. The premise underlines how these limiting categories define women totally on their functionality to a man and intentionally disempower and pit women against each other. He is my husband. Until death do us part. Don't get any ideas. If I get trouble, believe me, I will give trouble back. Looking back further, there have also long been critical on-screen representations of the dichotomy, showing how it harms both women and men, but mostly women. In 1955 classic The Night of the Hunter, serial killer Reverend Henry Powell has adopted a version of the Madonna whore dichotomy as his twisted, personal killer code, marrying women and then murdering them for trying to be sexual with him. You see, the body of a woman, the temple of creation and motherhood, that body was meant for begetting children. It was not meant for the lust of men. The Night of the Hunter showcases a key paradox of the Madonna archetype. How can a woman be both a mother and sexually innocent? Artificial insemination, adoption, and immaculate conception aside. But according to purity culture rules, proper mothers and wives must not even enjoy sex with their husbands. The good lord never meant for a decent woman to want that. Ultimately, as more thoughtful cinema reveals to us, the Madonna-whore division boils down to perspective. The same woman may be a Madonna or a whore, depending on who's looking. In Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, when Esmeralda shows kindness to Quasimodo, he begins seeing her in a heavenly light and worshipping her. An angel has smiled at me. 
Meanwhile, the evil Frollo despises Esmeralda because of her gypsy heritage. Their heathen ways inflame the people's lowest instincts. But at the same time desires her and blames his desire on Esmeralda herself. Such a clever witch. So typical of your kind to twist the truth, to cloud the mind with unholy thoughts. But Phoebus, a young man hired by Frollo, is capable of seeing Esmeralda beyond the Madonna whore binary, as the both spiritual and sensual young woman she is. And it's no accident she falls in love with him. In Hitchcock's Vertigo, Detective Scotty Ferguson cannot recognize that the two women he meets are literally the same person. He falls in love with Madeline, who is the Madonna type, married, elegant, enigmatic, and unattainable, especially after he sees her die. Crucially, he largely observes her from a distance, but here the Madonna is so illusory, she's literally just an act being performed by a whore figure. After the actual Madeline, who he never met, dies, Scotty meets Judy, who was hired to impersonate Madeline as part of a complex murder plot. You played the wife very well, Judy. Thus, Judy is the Madeline Scotty was following. But Scotty can't see this, because to him, Judy is coded as the whore type, earthly, lower class, plainly spoken, and available, as she's single and in love with Scotty. Scotty even coerces Judy to do her hair exactly the way Madeline did to try to transform her into and possess the unattainable Madonna. The color of your hair, Judy, please, it can't matter to you. When men see women as Madonnas, they're often looking from a distance, both physical and metaphorical, without which the fantasy would fall apart. The untouchable blonde figures in Martin Scorsese's iconic films like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull appear to the protagonist in slow motion. In this famous scene of Taxi Driver, the narration and visuals superimpose over this image of Sybil Shepherd's Betsy the words, they cannot touch her. Like some other Madonnas, Raging Bull's Vicky is associated with water, as if always slipping through the main character Jake's fingers. That's when she's not separated from him by some sort of barrier. Yet with both of these characters and Casino's Ginger, the male protagonist can't quite reconcile his desire to worship her as an unattainable angel, with his desire to actually be with her. In Taxi Driver, Betsy actually agrees to a date with Travis, but he takes her to a porn film, making her extremely uncomfortable and immediately ruining his chances with her. Wait a second, wait a second. You have to go. In Raging Bull, Jake has sexual hangups with Vicky thanks to viewing her as a Madonna. And in their sex scene, we see Catholic images on the wall along with a bucket of ice water. But because he can't really accept that such an amazing woman would really be with him, his paranoid, jealous fantasies lead him to abuse and berate her as a whore, and even irrationally accuse her of cheating with his own brother. Did you f my brother? Huh? Get off Did me! You? Meanwhile, when men see women as the whore type, they're in close contact. But the very lack of distance is demystifying, causing the man to sometimes look down on the woman or dismiss her as common. Thus, the male characters overlook these women's interiority and actively try to mold them into whatever their vision is of what femininity should be. I just want an ordinary, simple gray suit. But I like that one, Scotty. No, no, it's not right. Gentleman seems to know what he wants. When some male characters see both the Madonna and whore archetypes in the same woman, this may lead to them becoming confused and frustrated by their own contradictory fantasies. In Luis Buñuel's That Obscure Object of Desire, Mathieu is in a relationship with Conchita, who is by turn enigmatic and haughty, or eager and fiery. These two sides are actually played by two different actresses, showing us how Mathieu is unable to actually perceive Conchita, but only the two mutually exclusive fantasies of his desire and love for her. 
Many narratives reveal the binary actually makes men suffer too. A man may see a Madonna as unattainable, even though she's not, or not allow himself to be with a whore figure he believes is unacceptable to his society. I cannot see you anymore. Men who see women through this lens deny themselves a two-way relationship with someone who knows all sides of them. But when the Madonna and whore labels are discussed and deconstructed from the female perspective, we can see how the dichotomy truly places women in an inescapable bind. Well, if you say you haven't, you're a prude. If you say you have, you're a slut. At first, it may seem as though being labeled a Madonna is the better option, but the respect she gets comes at a huge cost. She must be a paragon of virtue and selflessness, controlling her impulses at all times. And her position is precarious. She only needs to make one false step to fall off her pedestal. She may become impure thanks to the very men who idolize her. The Virgin Suicide's Trip Fontaine is smitten with Lux until she sleeps with him, at which point he leaves her, and he speaks of the change as though some kind of spell had broken. I walked home alone that night. I didn't care how she got home, it was weird. Or the Madonna may become a kind of neglected domestic prisoner like Betty Draper, who strives to appear as the perfect wife but is ignored by her philandering husband and even accused by him of behaving seductively for other men. Where are you going to that? <laughs> Swimming. You want to be ogled? It's desperate. By contrast, the whore figure is free to have a lot more fun, but her freedom can be superficial. The hedonistic indulgences she may be allowed usually have to fit within the parameters of the flirtatious, sexy girl performance that the man in control expects. Why did you bring me here? I thought you'd enjoy it. I thought we could just be together. The whore also doesn't really have meaningful freedom if she has no societal support. The man's actions are often blamed on her, and other women may see her as a threat. In Black Swan, Natalie Portman's ballerina Nina struggles to embody both the pure white swan and the dangerously magnetic black swan on stage. And in life, too, she finds that her society judges her as too uptight when she's the perfect good girl. He always said you were such a frigid little girl. But has trained her to fear and suppress her more liberated bad girl self. The pressure to be both but neither pushes her into a self-destructive cycle in this world where women just can't win. Insightful female directors expose that, in addition to being a question of perspective, the Madonna or a whore identity is also not really static. Agnes Varda's Le Bonheur, which translates to happiness, is about how a man with a perfect Madonna-esque wife and family tries to convince his wife that his adding a mistress to the scenario will only make them all even happier. On est comme un champ planté de pommiers, un champ carré bien net. Et puis je perçois un pommier qui a poussé en dehors du champ, en dehors du carré. His wife, evidently disagreeing, takes her own life, and by the end, the younger woman essentially replaces her as the new Madonna and mother. As the demented goddess writes, Le Bonheur shows how cyclic that situation will ultimately be. Varda's brilliance is in showing the satisfaction derived from both states of women, and the brutality that lies behind the social and sexual gaze of the man. In today's stories, we can see how the Madonna war divide continues to be internalized by women and girls and projected onto themselves. This especially affects young women who are figuring out their identities. Betty doesn't even know herself. She dressed up like a hooker in a 
god-awful black wig. In Jane the Virgin, Jane is so used to the virgin part as a fixed part of her identity that, when she starts having sex, at first she doesn't know how to make sense of this without completely altering her self-image. Into All the Boys I've Loved Before, P.S. I Still Love You, innocent good girl Laura Jean feels so threatened by her boyfriend Peter's more sexually experienced ex, Jen, that she almost sabotages her own relationship. You and Jen used to do it a lot, right? Do you miss sex? avoid in your life. Likewise, many pop star personas and music videos today signal that we're seeing a shift toward the bad girl having a heyday. Today's good girl, bad girl binary is the Madonna whore binary, but in our mainstream embrace of bad bitch feminism, increasingly good girls are out and bad girls are in. The qualities of each group are being reinterpreted. Whereas Madonnas are worshipped for their virtue, good girl's goodness is boring. I see you obsessed getting each and every move perfectly right, but I never see you lose yourself. Poor figures are dangerous and lead men to sin, but today's dangerous bad girls lead men to, well, fun. Bridgerton, which is set in the 19th century, is very in our face about calling out the ways the female characters are divided into Madonnas and whores. Titled, chaste, and innocent. But the show's whore character, Sienna, isn't a prostitute. She's an amazingly successful opera singer who just wasn't born an ultra-elite, sheltered, aristocratic lady. I am ensuring my own future. Some feminist thinkers are suspicious of the empowered bad girl narrative because it equates empowerment with sexuality. Originally, we can see how empowered sexuality was a key aspect of women's liberation movements. Female pop artists like Madonna, Janet Jackson, or Britney Spears, and many more to this day, appeal to us in part because they illustrate how we can feel control over our own bodies, sensualities, and sense of self. Do you ever feel like you're only 90% that bitch? No. But in today's context, even if embracing the bad girl may flip the original script of denigrating the sexual woman, how much better is this as a final destination? Does the idea that sexual freedom and empowerment are interdependent really serve women, or does it still serve men? The modern bind of the binary is perhaps even more unrealistic, and there is pressure on women to somehow be both a Madonna and a whore, or as they say, a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets. You're ready for this, you sweet, innocent whore bag. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you want. Do you want the Madonna or the whore? Well, it's not hard to understand. Maddie on Euphoria tries to embody both, or at least fake being both. She lies to Nate that she's a virgin when they start dating. You're a virgin? Yeah. Like fully? Yeah. But also trains herself to perform pornographic sex because she feels this will keep him interested. Both of these two personas are inauthentic to Maddie, and when trying to embody them, she actually feels separated from her own body. In real life, we can see how untenable the Madonna plus whore fantasy is by looking back at impossible cultural expectations placed on Britney Spears in the 90s and 2000s, when she was marketed as a sexy virgin archetype. Britney may have told people to stop pigeonholing her in lyrics like, you say you're in love, think I'm sent from above, I'm not that innocent. But she was shamed if there was even any hints she deviated from sexual innocence in her private life. Did you Britney Spears? <laughs> yes or no? Oh man. Come on, man. Okay, I did it. Or later on, failed to appear as a perfect mother. Still, sadly, many more modern narratives about bad girls and good girls still paint exactly this impossible Madonna plus whore type. You're the perfect girl next door. Betty couldn't make it. So she sent me instead. Narratives that suggest female characters can or should somehow be both a Madonna and a whore perpetuate male expectations that this is possible and make female viewers confused about how they should act or what they should expect from relationships. 
ultimately calling out these categories, subverting them, or elevating the bad girl above the good to invert the hierarchy aren't enough to destroy these categories as reference points we all still inevitably refer to in our heads. Since the Madonna horror categorization is a function of point of view, stories need to express female characters' nuanced interiority, and in a way that's not just catering to a male viewer she may have internalized. I will not drive myself crazy waiting on some man's attention. I refuse to overthink this. Most importantly, our only real way out of the Madonna whore bind is to sever the link between female sexual activity and judgments about female personality completely. In the sex lives of college girls, sexually inexperienced freshman Bella is determined to explore the hooking up aspect of college life to the fullest. I'm gonna get piped by a guy with abs tonight. But her humorous exploits in no way detract from or alter the narrative's focus on her drive as a talented young comedy writer. And when Bella later reports an incident of sexual assault by an upper Classman, dialogue explicitly makes the point that her consensual sexual experiences have absolutely no bearing on how her account or this event should be viewed. And who cares how many hand jobs she gave? It doesn't make her any less credible, you shit. Overall, the best way to get free of the Madonna and whore categories is to follow a multiplicity of female characters, look at their interactions with each other, explore their sexuality without using it as any reflection on their moral character, and let them speak for and see themselves. You better go for it, go for it, ho! With these steps, hopefully we'll see more and more female characters who ditch the halos and the horns and are free to be their realistic, complicated selves without any reference to outdated fantasies. The only way you can be happy is if you're yourself. This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe.